0: All right, hey, what's up, guys? This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation coming to you live from the Serv Pro Studios here in Raleigh, New Jersey. I have the honor and privilege to be joined by two special guests today. I've got Karen Taylor-Burke, who is a partner at PKF O'Connor Davies and is also the accountant for the NJ State FMBA. And I'm also being joined by Troy Powell, who you all know is the treasurer of the NJ FMBA and sits on the NJ FMBA executive board. Uh, both of you... Karen, Troy, thank you for joining me. Uh, Really appreciate uh, you guys spending some time to talk about a topic that I feel is a very um, informative and important topic to discuss, which is uh, forming a foundation for your local and how to go about doing that. So thanks for taking the time to talk about it with me.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for asking me to be part of this. Yeah, thanks, Billy.
0: So let's start out by talking about some of the benefits. What are, what are some of the benefits of forming a foundation for an FMBA local?
1: So some of the benefits that um, occur when you start a charitable foundation is that it allows the local to um, run events, uh, fundraising events, raise funds for um, whether it be They want to have the ability to give out scholarships to members' children, if they want to um, have uh, the ability to make payments in the event there's a tragedy of a member's family, and, um, you know, if they want to give back to the community and have, you know, the ability to sort of give out these uh, sums of money. So it really, um, it allows them to do different things. And it also allows the people that donate towards um, their uh, mission and their charitable initiative to also get a tax deduction for that, which becomes um, you know, something that maybe corporations uh, within those different towns that the local belongs to that they would like to um, get behind. Um, some of the other benefits that uh, to start a charity, um, it also allows the members to um, go out and get tax exemption, so they can purchase different things for their foundation, and they there's no sales tax. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of things that uh, really are beneficial for a local to start a charity if they want to have some sort of charitable mission uh, associated with their local.
2: Yeah, and Bill, we found in Montclair, you know, I'm also a member of Montclair Local 20, and we found that we were getting requests for matching funds. As, as Karen mentioned, you know, we have a person, a resident in town who works for a corporation. Their corporation will match donations. We would get that request and as a union, as a 501C5, we weren't able f- we weren't eligible for those matching funds. But as the Montclair Firefighters Foundation, a 501C3, we are eligible for those matching funds. So we're able to, to capture more donations and uh, increase our effectiveness of our fundraiser letter through becoming a foundation, and also too, I mean, the the postage for the foundation fundraiser is less as a five hundred one c three, and uh, like Karen mentioned, we won't pay sales tax. So if we purchase paper to run that, um, you know, to print the fundraiser letter and stuff, that purchase is sales tax exempt.
0: Gotcha. So run me through. You know, I'm I'm a treasurer of a local, or I'm a president or delegate of a local, and I've been. Uh, tasked or, or have been thinking about forming a foundation. Run me through the process. How do we get started in this whole journey of forming our foundation?
2: Yeah, and Bill, like we, you know, like we said before, you know, we started our foundation because we felt that you know if someone if someone got a, a received a donation check from Montclair FMBA Local 20, they might not even know what Montclair FMBA Local 20 is, or they might think it's a, a part of the fire department. And it's coming from tax money, or in, in if they did understand what it was, it's a union, and it's union dues, as opposed to the Montclair Firefighters Foundation is a charity, and that work that those the members do are volunteer. Like Karen mentioned, we run an event if we have a golf outing, or if we run uh, if we donate to the 5K race, and we staff a uh, table where we're handing out water. That's volunteered, uh, staffed by volunteers of the union and um, the the check is from the Montclair Firefighters Foundation, so the recipient knows that it's a non-profit charity and that it's not anything related to the work or the job or the union.
0: Right. So so, so, in addition to any kind of tax benefits and or financial benefits, uh, it's an identity benefit Correct. Uh, to separate yourself from... Uh, the the job itself and the mission of the foundation.
2: Yeah, so like when the you know when the the your sleeve of the five K race says Montclair Firefighters Foundation, the signage everywhere we donate is Montclair Firefighters Foundation. Simple to the point they know who it is, Montclair Firefighters, and that it's a foundation. Right.
0: So uh, in, in terms of the actual process, how do we get started in forming? uh, the foundation and, and what are the steps that we need to take from start to finish?
1: Well, I would say one of the first steps is definitely to, um, come up with what your mission is. What is your charitable mission? What is it that you would want the foundation to accomplish? And once you have that mission down, um, and then it's about getting a board of trustees together. Um, typically with a foundation, um, that's associated with a local, you'd you, you would like to get a uh, board of trustees together that are not exactly the same as that of, of the union. So um, typically five would be great, three is not bad, seven is ideal, uh, depending on the size of the local. But let's just say five, right? So you wanna get five trustees, president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, uh, and then a trustee. And um, once you have that in place and you have your you know a, a mission in place, then what you would do is you would, um, <clears throat> file and get, a uh, form SS4, uh, which would, would get your name, uh, would get your employee ID number and allows you to open up a cash account. Um, once you have that in place, then you would file with the IRS, um, and that's on typically most foundations, uh, starting off would be less than 50,000, so it would be okay to file a form 1023EZ, um, relatively easy. It's done online. You would file that with the IRS, give them all of the information, such as your mission, such as your board of uh, directors, certificate of incorporation. Um, and it usually takes anywhere, I'd say, from two to six months to get that uh, nonprofit 501 501c3 status back. So once you have that in place, now you're, uh, you know, now you're ready to really kind of uh, get the foundation up and running, start to accept donations and um, some of the other things that you might have to do would be uh, to register with the state of New Jersey um, I'm assuming that's where all of the foundations that we're talking about would be uh, you know would be incorporated um, It makes sense to incorporate in the state of New Jersey because what that also does it, it protects your um, it gives p- legal protection to your board of trustees. I was just about to
0: ask you that. Is there yes. a, is there a benefit to do an incorporation versus uh, an LLC or a LLP or anything like that? Would it's it's ma- kind of like a mandatory thing to do an incorporation for a foundation?
1: Definitely. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I, you know, you want to incorporate. It, honestly, specifically Liability. for that, because it protects the officers and the members. Yeah, and I and to really incorporate New Jersey, it's seventy five dollars, so it's worth it. Right. right. Yeah, right. And
2: then it's twenty seven dollars a year after that, I think, something like that. Right.
0: So
1: very reasonable yeah. financially, sure.
0: Is there is there a minimum amount of money that you need to have to start a foundation? Or you can start out with a zero balance and uh up to fifty thousand you had mentioned to start uh in terms of the filing for the ten twenty easy Is that what it was? That's what it's
1: so, so the fifty thousand dollar threshold um Sorry if I didn't make that clear. So that's what you anticipate that you will gross less than fifty thousand gotcha. um, in any given year. That allows you then to file what's called it's called the short form, the ten twenty three, EZ, as opposed to a long form ten twenty three, which is, you know, for your larger foundations that are going to be you know grossing in the you know over fifty thousand and and upwards. So, right. um, but I think for purposes of what we're discussing here, the ten twenty three EZ certainly works. And, um, again, it can be done online. Uh, Troy is really good with this stuff, and so I know he would definitely be a resource for any of your uh, members if they wanted to reach out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy filing um, for anybody to do.
2: Gotcha. And we, we um, you know, I've worked with Karen and, and PKF Connor Davies in the past to create a, a form, an outline, so that if local wants, you know, we could send that to them. And it goes through all these steps that we mentioned with links to the website, to, you know, that you need to do. Um, you know, we recommend that if you're, like, I recommend that if you're um, knowledgeable in this, then yeah, you know, you can do it alone. If you're not, it's easier to hire an accountant and get them to do it. You know, they're the professionals here, you know. So, um you don't want to get halfway through and not get it done and then have to go back. You can end up spending more time and more money if you just do it right the first time. Right. So, yeah, you can follow this form. If you get lost in any way, shape, or form, go to your accountant and, and pick up from there. And then, you know, that's what we recommend.
0: So uh, once all this is done and completed, uh what are the what are the next steps? We we move into the fundraising aspect of this from a from a legal standpoint, from a filing standpoint, all these forms are completed. We have our mission statement. We have our uh, trustees. Uh, that's all done. Um, what about maintaining after the foundation formation? What yeah. do you have to do on really a- that,
2: that was one of the things that like when when we when I talk to people and about this uh, you know individually when they call to me and they say hey you know we're thinking of, of starting a foundation there are more pros than cons but there are some cons there are some things that you need to be aware of and um, you know the cost to start it obviously you know we mentioned some of these fees to, to start it but the other set of thing of that is that you're gonna have to maintain a separate a second set of books now right so you have your local has their own fiscal year their own set of books and now the foundation it could be the same fiscal year but it has to have a sep- second set of books, a separate set of books. So like we said before, right? A second set of officers, a second set of books, um, meetings, whatever the case may be that goes into running the organization, depending on how big or how active it is, It does is it is gonna require more individuals' attention and effort, you know, and some fees. So we mentioned fees before, right? If you if you choose to get a raffle license, it's $100 every two years. Um, we mentioned the state of New Jersey, Twenty-seven dollars to incorporate uh, every to stay incorporated. If if you also take in um, less than more than ten thousand, you'll have to be registered with the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs, and that's a fee, right? Anywhere from zero to fifty cents depending to on 250 the
1: report. depending on the report that you file. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly.
0: And that's anything over ten thousand dollars that you raise. Yeah, so
2: yeah, so if you start a foundation, you bring in five thousand dollars a year, you don't have to register with the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs. Gotcha. But if you're going to take in more than ten thousand, yeah, then there are thresholds in terms of like maybe ten to twenty is a certain fee, more than twenty is another fee, and you know they bill you for that based on your tax return.
0: Gotcha.
1: So uh, you know, one of the things that Troy just mentioned is um, it, it can sound a little bit overwhelming, but really the initial stage. Um, it's probably not a bad idea to, um, to get an accountant uh, on board to just assist with this process because um, really if if, the, I would, if I had to give an estimate, say it costs $1,500 between your fees and having an accountant uh, assist with filing all of the paperwork, making sure that your certificate of incorporation reads correctly the way that the IRS wants to see it, uh, that your bylaws are, you know, are correct. Um, all of your dates, things of that nature, are all, you know, pretty much um, standard, gets that filed within two to six months. Now you're, you know, you have your 501c3 status. From that point on, you know, now you can run your golf outings. Now you can run your cigar nights. You can do your whiskey tastings, all these different things, raise money for your mission. And um, to Troy's point, you know, if it's under $10,000, you know, no no real uh, – filing. It's, it's called a 990N, a very simple filing. Again, your accountant would file that for you. It's, you know, it's, um, basically a, a card with all of the names of the board members and that's about it. So it's almost like a postcard filing. Don't even need to file with the state of New Jersey if it's less than 10,000. Now we go over the $10,000 threshold of which, you know, I'm thinking that most foundations would like to do that and really start to, uh, you know, have the have the donations roll in and or maybe have several events that will raise that type of money. I mean, really for the filings that we're talking about, out of pocket for any given foundation, I would say twenty two thousand to twenty two hundred would probably be about accurate. And that's if really now you're over that ten thousand dollar threshold and you need to file what's called now a nine ninety EZ. And then you file with the state of New Jersey on a CRI three hundred, um, but you know that that cost factor and, and and what that really though having the five hundred one C three gives you the uh, ability to do as far as raising funds, um, you know it's it's really uh, a pro. Um, I don't I don't see too many cons if if the local wants to start to um, have this charitable arm to what it is that they do in their community and for their members.
0: Right. What's, uh, let's talk about real quick while we're on the subject of 501c3, the difference between a 501c3 and, say, a 501c5.
2: Yeah, so all, all of our locals are tax-exempt. They don't pay income tax because the dues that they collect is already post-tax. So... Both organizations, a a union and a foundation, are are tax-exempt organizations. The difference being donations to a 501c3 are tax-deductible. A 501c3 is also eligible for uh, sales tax exemptions, for raffle licenses. There's other benefits towards a foundation that are not. So we get this this question a lot uh, from locals saying, well, aren't I already tax-exempt? Yes, you're exempt from paying federal income taxes. You're not exempt from sales taxes. If you choose to buy, like people may have a coffee kitty in their firehouse or they supply the TVs in the firehouse, that bought through the union, you're going to pay sales tax on that stuff. If you run a golf outing through your foundation, the prizes that you buy for the golf outing through your foundation are sales tax exempt.
0: Right, gotcha. Now, forgive me if we if we had mentioned this already, um, but in terms of the – uh, filing for the 501c3 or 501c5. How do we go about doing that? How do we fi- do we have to, that something we have to file for? Register as? Like what's the what's so, the process? So when, that? when
2: when when a new local gets formed, they go on the IRS's website and they get an EIN. So an EIN is like our Social Security number. That's mm-hmm. their em- employer identification number. They get that number then they provide it to the state FMBA who puts them on their group exemption. So they get a 501c5 status Based on the fact that they're a subordinate of the state FMBA, so the IRS is basically saying the state FMBA is going to make sure that this organization has bylaws, officers, uh, you know, runs like a proper union. Um, when you're starting a foundation, the IRS doesn't give you that benefit. The IRS is okay. You get an EIN. Now, what is your purpose? And to get that status, exempt status, Karen mentioned before, if you're going to take in less than ten thousand, you could file the 1023 EZ. Versus, if you're going to take in or fifty thousand, it was right.
1: Fifty thousand.
2: Yeah, so so both organizations would file to get an EIN the same way. Mm-hmm. It's just how you get the, your status. You so, know, next. so the well, how does the IRS recognize five
0: hundred one C three versus C five is a is a status and not so much a filing uh, filing for something or they just ought to, based on your limitations or based on the numbers that you're at. That determines what your status is. Is that the way I'm interpreting, right?
2: No, it, it, if your your purpose, like the purpose of your organization, okay. what your status is. So the union, the purpose is the you know the the betterment
0: of the membership. Right. So the safety your and your purpose is going to come from your mission statement. Though. Yes, correct. Okay.
1: Yep. One of the things I want to point out too with a five hundred one C three is some of the um, things that you cannot contribute to. It is a is any sort of political c- campaign. So that's real important to understand that that's really what your union does. Um, or if you have a you know a PAC fund, uh, political action committee fund, um, but uh, with a 501c3, um, definitely no political uh, campaign contributions whatsoever from that from that entity.
0: Gotcha. I was going to move into that as uh, the next uh, kind of topic I wanted to touch on was any kind of restrictions on fundraising, what you can uh, use to raise funds, and then in terms of restrictions on giving, who you can give to, who you can't give to. So that kind of segues into that. So um, so let's say, um, you know, for instance, if there is a political... Um, person, a a candidate or something like that, an incumbent, uh, hosting a golf outing. The golf outing is actually being run by an organization, maybe a nonprofit organization, the friends of so-and-so or whatever the case may be. Is that something that you can uh, give to or purchase tickets to or register for? Or or I mean there's probably roundabout ways, right? You're I'm like sure totally going loop, down a slippery slope there's tons here. of loopholes, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I just want I want to clarify so that if if, if, if there is a local that's gonna form a foundation and they know these things, then they're gonna sign up for that golf outing or event via their union and not their foundation, right?
1: I mean, I'm just gonna say rule of thumb. Anything that has a political mm-hmm. um, you know, connection to it you're better off just running that cost through your union and not maybe so much through the foundation. Um, You know, I've seen a situation where a political um, candidate was uh, supporting, putting his name towards uh, an event that was happening in Belmar, but all of the funds were going to the uh, Monmouth County ASPCA. Gotcha. So, yeah, so the, the, you know, the, politician was really kind of putting his name to it, although it had nothing to do with his campaign. So certainly something like that. But when you have a candidate who's running a golf outing or that, you know, friends of is running a golf outing, it just becomes a little bit of a slippery slope. So why even, why even jeopardize your 501c3 status? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah.
2: I I was going to piggyback on that. You know, I had a local come to me and say, Hey, we run our whole coffee kitty through the foundation. Is that okay? Well, no. I mean, you know, you want, you want me to answer? They were like, Oh, come on. What? You want me to answer you honestly? No, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Like that coffee kitty is for the union for the people working. Now, if you were to have one event, like you know, the, or the food for your monthly meetings, that's a union meeting. Right. Now, if you have an annual meeting for your foundation and that food runs through, okay, that's legitimately for your foundation. Right, it's an expense. Yeah, so yeah, I, I would I would say the same thing as Karen. It's not worth it's not worth doing all the work creating a foundation, then operating this foundation for a couple of years. Only to try to save a couple bucks on tax on sales tax right with p- the potential to jeopardize and lose the foundation yeah you know wor- well, how about worse than losing the foundation would be the bad press in your local community that right. you know ex firefighters foundation was using the money on you know food and drinks at the bar or whatever you know yeah nah, it's not worth the, the the negative press
0: so outside of outside of giving uh, to a political party or any kind of political fundraising what other types of Uh, things are you restricted on in terms of a foundation giving money towards? Is there any other kind of restrictions?
1: Well, I think uh, part of um, what's important to understand about a 501c3 is that there can never be an intended uh, purpose prior to um, starting the 501c3. And what that means is um, that there cannot be already an intended beneficiary, meaning, okay, we have a member who has a, sick child. So let's start a foundation and a hundred percent of what we raise is going to go to that child. You've already had it predetermined. Gotcha. There has to be some sort of, um, criteria mm-hmm. for why you're giving or who you're giving to. And there has to be some criteria that, uh, an individual or a, uh, another charity meets. Um, so part of your mission, um, can be, yes, we want to, uh, be able to give back to a member who is going through a hard time or has, um, you know, had a tragedy. That's fine. But you can't say it's only going to go to this one family because we already know they've had a tragedy. And then now you start the 501c3. So there can't be an intended purpose, um, and, and beneficiary already in place, uh, to receive funds from the 501c3. But the 501c3, it has to have some sort of criteria that a beneficiary meets and then, you know, you can donate away.
0: Gotcha. What about annual, uh, requirements in terms of the amount of money you take in versus the amount of money you give out? Is there any kind of requirements or any kind of threshold you have to meet if you take in a certain amount of money, you have to be able to give out a certain amount of money in a given year? Or is that there's really nothing behind that?
1: Um, there's there's no set percentage, say, that um, is required. Um, but for the most part, I think that if you're running an event, typically it's for, you know, we're having a golf outing so that we could have scholarships for members, children, or we're, you know, we're running a cigar night so that we can um, donate back to the community for, you know, the, the, the Christmas uh, you know, celebrations. So whatever that looks like um, typically I see that most uh, foundations want to keep a good amount of seed money for the following year. So, you know, you raise say 25, $35,000, um, you know, you might want to hold 5000 back, you know, donate the rest to whatever it is that your mission is. Right.
0: Gotcha.
2: Yeah, we found in, in, in Montclair, we found that our fundraiser letter was, was generating about $20,000 a year and we were donating about 18000 a year. So we basically just moved that over to our foundation. And now our foundation has this letter. And if one year it's 16, 17, then like Karen said, you know, we build up a little surplus that year. That allows us that the next year if we take in 20 and spend 21, we're not then, you know, putting ourselves in the red Yeah, Yeah. You know, we can operate at a deficit and still still be liquid.
0: Gotcha. Um, What other kind of advice can you offer to locals that are uh, thinking about forming a foundation? Maybe some, I don't want to say tips and tricks, but – kind of words to live by in terms of this process and how they go about doing it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would think the first thing is to differentiate. You know, like we found that, um, you know, if, if, for those of you that remember back in the day when unions, you know, few, just a few years ago, when union was a bad word, you know, we we differentiated by calling it the Montclair Firefighters Foundation so that the public knew. And we made sure our, it says that on our checks. We got separate shirts, so instead of wearing our blue Job t-shirts, we wore gray t-shirts with a red Maltese cross that said Montclair Firefighters Foundation. So the public knows we're off duty. That's not our uniform. And then we got a banner for our table so that anywhere we go, it's it's well known that we are not at work and we are separate and we're differentiated from that. And then when we um, go to call, so we got these business cards made up little business cards, it says that, you know, the charitable arm of the union on the back. So if we go on on a car lockout and someone says, oh, I want to donate, we can hand that to them. It has our name, has our address, and it tells them that you're donating to the the foundation, to the 501c3, and that your donation is tax-deductible. And, you know, we list a couple little things that we do in town. Gotcha.
1: I would also advise that um, when considering um, starting a foundation, when coming up with the mission, um, you know, don't recreate the wheel. There's, there's so many, I'm sure, uh, locals that have already done this, but to also keep your mission relatively general, you don't have to be so super specific because once you have that mission and once you become, um, recognized as a 501c3, you really have to stay, uh, pretty close to what your mission states that you're supposed to be doing. You can't, you can't start to sway away from your mission. So to say, something in your mission statement like, you know, specifically just for scholarships, then that's really all you're going to be able to use your, um, your contributions for. But to say something a little bit more general to impact uh, the community in a positive way, to assist members who are going through a difficult time, um, to uh, potentially have a scholarship um, program for our members' children. So you can have it say some really general things, and then this way – Um, If something does come up that you feel really passionately about wanting to make a contribution towards, you can.
2: On that note, I'll read you the Montclair Firefighters Foundation purpose. This association is formed for charitably benefiting other worthy organizations or individuals and for promoting education, health, and safety in the fire service, which would qualify under the provisions within the meaning of Section 501c3 of the Internal revenue code as amended or corresponding section of future federal tax codes. So, vague we benefit other worthy organizations or individuals. We promote education, health, and safety in the fire service.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, vague enough, but uh, gives you a lot of options to be able to do what you want to yeah. do. And we can share that
2: with anybody, you know, anybody yeah. out there who's interested, you know, reach out to me. I could share the overview on how to. Um, Create one and, uh, you know, our bylaws. Yeah. You could use that as a template. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, what, one other thing, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about the uh, the, the maintenance uh, side of this in terms of our annual things that we need to do. Can we go over, like, a, is there a checklist that we have or something we can talk about that's uh, annually things that you need to do? Are there certain deadlines and filing
1: deadlines and things like Great that? Great question. Definitely. So let's just assume... Um, that it's a typical, you know, December 31st year end, right? That's, your, that's the year end of the foundation. And, you know, now you're operating, you've received your um, 501c3 status from the IRS, you are registered with the state of New Jersey. So um, December 31st would be the year end of the foundation. You have five and a half months after your year end that you need to file with the IRS. Um, depending on the amount of gross receipts that the foundation took in, would dictate the type of filing that you would be required to file with the IRS. Um, staying with our, you know, under 50000 so if you grossed under $50,000, um, the required uh, tax filing you would have to file by May 15th would be um, either a 990-EZ or a 990-N. 990-N just being a postcard, super simple, just lists out the board members. That's if it's I believe less than 10,000, anything between 10,000 and 50,000, a 990 EZ, um, a little bit more informative. It does put, you know, your, uh, gross contributions, distributions. It gives a little bit more detail. Um, and then one month after that, so by June 15th, uh, would be the filing for New Jersey, uh, CRI. Um, and so now that tax filing, it's a deadline, yes, but, um, You know, if you don't file by that required uh, deadline, it's like a $25, you know, penalty, not a big deal. So if you're not ready or you haven't filed by that date, you can file really kind of just whenever you want and just, you know, you're going to have to pay an additional $25. Now, that has to happen every year, both of those filings. Now, just say that by May 15th that the foundation doesn't have all of their stuff together in order to file by that date you can ask for an ex- extension, okay. okay, and you get a six-month extension. The last filing date that a um, 501c3 uh, has to file by is November 15th of that following year. So your 1231 year end, by November 15th of that following year, that's your final filing date. If you extend it. Right, if you extend it. If you go past that, you do get hit with penalties and interest, and it's a certain amount every single day, like a twenty-five dollar a day penalty. So, you know, you want to make sure that you hit that. And even again, if you don't have all of your files um, and paperwork together, we can always file, um, you know, sort of like an estimated and then amend it. Gotcha. Okay, we've had some rare situations like that, but for the most part, you know, something that's less than fifty thousand. The paperwork and the record keeping should be should be in decent shape to be able to file by that May fifteenth filing date.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, and that and that's something that you should really consider before creating the foundation, right? So at the foundation's fiscal year end, if you wanted to line up with the union's year end, so that you go to your accountant with everything once a year, both the union and the foundation end the same time, then okay, that's your preference. If you want to make it six months or three months separate. So you're not having to do everything at the same time, you do it two steps. you do one filing for the union and one filing foundation, then just take that into consideration and change the when you're filing for your 1023 EZ pick your year end accordingly.: Yeah, so you know like we in Montclair chose our year- end based on our uh, fundraiser letter, you know when it came out and when it closed, so we picked that to correspond with that. Gotcha. It didn't matter to us that we had two separate different year ends. We were okay with that.
0: Gotcha. Uh, in terms of the record-keeping, um, how in-depth or in-detail do we need to be with our record-keeping? Is there certain types of software platforms we can use? Is as simple as putting together a spreadsheet. Do You need hard-copy receipts of any kind of fundraising-like tickets that you sell or, or something like that. How, how do we go about record-keeping?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would recommend QuickBooks to everybody. Just that's what I recommend to everybody. I'll help you get set up if you don't have QuickBooks. We can we can get you going with that. Um, I don't know, I mean, you know. There's other programs out there that Karen QuickBooks might be is about. definitely
1: the most user friendly, yeah. and it's it's really it's like having a big checkbook. Um, it really keeps everything um, so tight as far as <clears throat> excuse me as far as um, the type of revenue that you are bringing in. So you know you don't want to just have everything lumped under just like one revenue item or one expense item. Like you want to have golf outing revenue, um, you know, um, know, cigar uh, event revenue. Um, Maybe you have just donations from the general public. So you might have three or four different revenue accounts. And then when you go to your expense accounts, you have, um, you know, donations to the community, donations to members, scholarships. So it gives you the ability to break out exactly the money that you brought in and, you know, what that, um, or what, you know, what, where that actual money came from. And then on the expense side, exactly how you spent that money. And then that gives you the ability to also write in a memo. So you could say, you know, the, in the memo section that lists out the, the child's name of the member, like, you know, scholarship given to, uh, Bill Brower Jr., scholarship given to Liam Brower, you know, things of that nature. So, that I
0: hope there's not a Bill Bauer, Jr. <laughs> We're in a lot of trouble if there is.
1: <laughs> so, um, but, you know, the more detail that you give, it's 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 actually, you know, good to do that within QuickBooks. Not that you're necessarily going to give that on the tax return, but it also gives um, the accountant the ability to just make sure that everything has been classified correctly. All right,
0: gotcha. Is a 501c3 allowed to give to another 501c3? Is that... Is that- oh, absolutely.
1: Okay. Definitely. I mean, especially if, you know, within your mission, and and Troy just read his, to give to other, um, you know, worthy charitable organizations. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would think that you're, you're, um, you know, recommended to give to, because now you're giving to an actual charitable organization. Right. That's registered with the IRS. Right. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you think about, too, like, say, um, the Fallen Heroes 5K. You get so many other unions, foundations that, you know, either yeah. sponsor or donate to that event. Um, you know, that's how they're able to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Well, um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of at my end in terms of where I'm at with questions. Is there anything else you guys want to add before I wrap it up?
2: I mean, the only thing I would say is I, I advocate for it. I know I, I we started a, a foundation in Montclair. The same time, another local right near us started or theirs, and um, they've since gotten rid of theirs. They found that. Um, they didn't get enough matching donations and they felt that the maintaining the second set of books and the, you know, second tax return and stuff was too much of a burden versus the benefits that they were getting. Um, you know, I can't argue with that. That's their opinion on that. We, it benefits us. We get more donations because it's going to the foundation. There's no doubt about it. I could, I could track it. And then, um... You know, it's not a problem for me to maintain a second set of books. You know, for for locals that have a good treasurer or have a good uh, executive board trustees that maybe do it, it's not an issue at all. The benefits definitely outweigh the the cons. But you need to be aware of that. You know, my only thing would be be educated before you get into this process. You know, listen to you know this podcast is a great educational form. There's uh, something on the New Jersey's website about starting a nonprofit. That's um, a good resource. But but definitely be educated about. The facts of it, and then you know, go into it with that knowing that you know there are some costs and some um, you know record keeping that you're going to have to do. Yeah, but I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah, and and I would just like to add to that too that, um, you know, in the event that uh, an or you know that a that a local is 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 sort of teetering back and forth, should we or shouldn't we because of the additional work? I mean, listen. There's the ability for your accountant, um, and you know, I I know uh, our firm does a lot of the FMBA locals, and um, you know, we you know we certainly do a lot of the bookkeeping. So if it's a matter of just handing over the checkbook uh, to us, and then we have a staff person or or an admin person enter everything into QuickBooks, you know, there's different ways to going about this. It doesn't mean that the that the local has to take on. Um, the majority of the bookkeeping or the record keeping. It could just be that, you know, it's a checkbook. You're, you know, you're pretty diligent about writing everything in and bank statements and you turn that over to your accountant and, you know, they enter everything in and it's, you know, it's pretty seamless. Um, It it goes relatively quick. It's not a, it's not a huge cost to the union to have an outside accountant or bookkeeper do that for you Um, and then just take that right into a tax return. So, you know. Um,
2: and those costs will be absorbed by the foundation.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly.
2: The, the cost for those. You could pay the accountant from the foundation. The, yeah. The local doesn't have to pay it's the account for the foundation. The cost
0: of running the foundation. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: So if uh, somebody wanted to get in touch with uh, you, Karen, what's the easiest way for them to reach out to you, get in touch with you if they're interested in, in having uh, PKF O'Connor Davies help them out with with their uh, bookkeeping accounting for their foundation?
1: So, I mean, I would suggest, um, you know, just logging on to our website, and uh, you will find me, um, Karen Taylor Burke, uh, and it is uh, ktaylor at pkfod.com, or honestly, just reach out to Troy. Troy and I um, are in contact all the time, and, uh, and Troy could certainly um, send you my way, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're totally willing to help. We have a great staff, We've been um, doing the books and records of the FMBA for, for quite a while right now. And also, you know, know that, you know, we're always willing to help. It's not, we don't bill for everything. Um, we give great discounts. And, uh, yeah, we're, and, you know, we're really just happy to partner with the, uh, the FMBA.
0: Awesome. And Troy, um, I know you said you have a lot of uh, of this stuff kind of already in place with your work with the Montclair Firefighters Foundation templates and, and just kind of things that people can uh, look at as, as examples. If they wanted to uh, reach out to you, what's the easiest way to get in touch with
2: you? Yeah, probably email tpowell at njfmba.org or you can call the office here at 732-499-9250.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, both of you, for coming in, spending uh, a couple minutes of the day here to talk about this. Uh, really excited to be able to help some of our locals out that are interested in forming a foundation, and excited to see where uh, where it goes from here. So I appreciate it. Thanks for coming in.
1: Awesome, and just to another note, I will um, be down at convention. Typically, we're uh, we're down at convention all the time. So if anybody has any questions on this, they certainly can come and find me, and we can uh, we can discuss it.
0: Great. Thanks again. Thanks for thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. For supporting us, we appreciate it. All
1: right. All right, everyone. Well,
0: that wraps up another great episode from FMBA Nation. Thanks for listening to it. And if you don't already, make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast on any of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. And if you have an Alexa-enabled device and enable the TuneIn skill, you can say, Alexa, play FMBA Nation podcast on TuneIn Radio. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast or would like to be featured on the FMBA Nation podcast, where you can talk about your products and or services that you have to offer, be sure to email us at nation at njfmba.org. And until next time, be safe.